This is Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. Every week, we review an episode of the cult classic time travel series and decide whether it holds up to present day viewing. And hopefully, we'll entertain you along the way. Be sure to check us out on our website, fwwquantumleappod.com, and also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Fate's Wide Wheel. And be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're doing a podcast. Hello, everybody. <laughs> we are so well, well. We are so out of practice. Yeah, we are out of practice. Yeah. Um, um, if we sound different, it's because we're finally all in the same room again. We are. So we've got the uh, you know the mic in the middle of the room doing a little round table, uh, and it's it's a it's it's sort of a round, it's a triumvirate, if you will. It's not mm-hmm. just your dynamic duo uh, because because Chris is here with us. Hey, Hello, I'm welcome back. back. Oh my back. god. Um, we recently, Dennis actually recently hosted a housewarming and we took mm. a picture with, uh, previous guest hosts. Yeah. And as one of our listeners pointed out, thank you very much, by the way, Chris was not in said picture. Yes. <laughs> we totally and, missed. And it's, it's, we're like doing a housewarming thing and like we did invite you because like you're a former real estate client and like, and like when you, when people are past clients, it gets weird and crossing the streams <laughs> and then whatever. And then, yeah, after we took, uh, like as we were taking the picture, I was like, ah. Oh, yeah. We have so many regular past guest hosts. And not me. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is I think in particular, it was it was, it was was noticeable because obviously we had Karen with us, which was awesome. Yes. Because here she is coming all the way from like, you know, the Boston area. Yeah. And, and, and happened to be in town, stopped by. We got to meet her in person, which was a treat. Yeah. And then we take this picture and it's just kind of like, man, like we're missing Chris, Lamont, Larry. Uh-huh. That might have been about it. Uh, yeah. But, well, like, but you were... Uh, we didn't have debates with us. Yeah. yeah, but, like, you're the one, like, you, you, uh, I think you and Claire Feeney are up there as, like, the guestiest guests. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, sweetness. And, uh... I mean, yeah. yeah, no, Chris has definitely been with us more times than anyone else. So, what's new with you? Well, uh, I'm off the market lady. So, <laughs> uh, after 15 years of dating... I finally uh, got my shit together and popped the question, and I will be getting married shortly. Oh, my God. <laughs> 15 years. Yikes. Man, no, that's awesome. That's awesome. Good for you. Good for you. Um, so, you know, we hadn't, unfortunately, had a chance to record in a while, mm-hmm. and uh, that is mostly on me in this recent timeline here uh because our intent our hope was always to get an episode out before the holidays mm-hmm. um but i flaked out a couple of times um one time literally just forgot that we were recording mm-hmm. uh, dennis gave me a stern talking to and uh we're back yeah. we're back now to not too stern yeah. to keep to yeah, <laughs> to, yeah. Keep to, a, uh, to keep to 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 a much more rigid schedule because um we want to get this thing finished by the spring, because yeah. Dennis has a very specific reason for uh, that. Yes, we have baby number two on the way, yeah. due May 22nd, so, uh, yeah. Gemini babies. Yeah. I, was I know, oh, I know. oh, yeah, I'm a Gemini. <laughs> Betsy has some strong thoughts about Geminis, <laughs> so, yeah. Comes early, well, because I, I think the 21st is the cutoff for Taurus or Gemini. Or... It might be right, yeah, I honestly don't know. I, I know. Yeah, because I'm, I'm May 27th, so... Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we've got a lot of motivation and, uh, I think that one of the things, you know, when Dennis and I were chatting recently, 
about finishing things up uh, is that it, that has you know always been our intent. Otherwise, we never would have started the podcast. But I think being within the last like twenty five episodes of the series, it, it really kind of brings it home that we're close. You know, we're almost to the final season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got like seventy some episodes mm-hmm. uh, of the podcast in the bag now. Like it's 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 for real. So we definitely want to get this finished and, and we appreciate everyone joining us for the ride and we apologize for the myriad of delays over the past year, but uh, we'll be keeping to a much more regular schedule going forward. Um, also, uh, we're going to stop talking about all this crap because the other goal is to try to keep the episodes moving a little bit more, mm-hmm. uh, keep ourselves away from some of the distractions. We'll never keep away from all of them because we are who we are. Uh, but we're going to try to focus in a little bit more, and I think that that'll help us kind of get through these and maybe do some double show days where we'll be able to record, you know, two episodes at a time. Yeah. Um, we won't give them to you two at a time. No. <laughs> we keep you have to wait. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but all that being said, Dennis, what are we here to talk about today? We're here to talk about moments to live. Moments to live. I feel like we should have some sort of theme music playing right now. For we that. should. Hey, yeah. you know, you edit the episode. You yeah, but I'm lazy, want. so... <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and that episode is directed by Joe Napolitano. Uh, this is the 11th of 12 episodes that he uh, has directed, will direct. Um, we know him best for Pool Hall Blues, uh, Leap Home Part 1, of course, Black and White on Fire and Shock Theater. Uh, he'll also, which is a fairly rare occurrence, um, he also directs the very next episode, which is The Curse of Tahoe Tep, which will be his last directorial effort for Quantum Leap. Our writer is Tommy Thompson. Uh, it is his eighth of 13 episodes. Um, we saw him previously in Leaping In Without a Net, Heart of a Champion, um, which was our wrestling episode with Leva Bates. Check that out if you're a wrestling fan. Uh, Killing Time, which is an episode that we'll definitely have feelings on when we get there. Oh my god. Oh, I have some feelings <laughs> about Killing Time. And Promised Land, uh, which is another episode that, that generates some feelings. Um, and then our air date is April the 8th, 1992. Leap date, May 5th, 1985. Sam is leapt into Kyle Hart, and we are in California. I'm assuming uh, when we begin the episode, we're probably somewhere in Burbank or Hollywood. Around there, Because um, yeah. we're clearly on set for Moments to Live. Yeah. Let's do, uh, let's do some stuff. Uh, TV Guide description. Sam, Scott Bakula, pops into a soap opera star whose bubble is burst when he's kidnapped by a deranged fan and her husband. Okay. <sighs> Actually, yeah. I like that. A soap opera star whose bubble is burst. burst. Like, that was, that's... That, that, that's that's a little bit next level. Uh, yeah, I gotta that, give him credit. That's a little bit next way. level. Uh, uh, Chris, I don't know how long it's been since you've actually listened to an episode. Uh, started thing, we, uh, <laughs> we we list off what the episode was called in other countries. In Germany, uh, it was called The TV Doctor. In France, it was called alternately The Nightmare or Slice of Life. I like okay. Slice of Life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and in Italy, it was called Celebrity. All right. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, this episode had 11.8 million viewers, which is nice. 0.7 more million than the last episode. And, oh, where are we at? Uh, where is Sam in time? Um, he is right in between two TV episodes. Last month in April of 85, he was in Dr. Ruth, which will come up which in the fifth season. season yeah. Yes, Chris, Sam leaps into Dr. Ruth in the last season. 
Really? Of oh, the yeah. show. The fifth season just becomes a gimmick palooza. Yeah. Yeah. Anything oh, to stay on there. They were, they were throwing anything at the wall to stick, yeah. Uh, and afterwards, Sam will be in November of 1985 in Piano Man. Oh. Which we've already covered. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Uh, and this is what we've talked about before. It seems a lot of times when we are in the uh, '80s on Quantum Leap, it seems like a little bit of a lazy cheat, right? Uh, for them to not spend have too much, not have to spend too much money on older period costumes or sets, right? Uh, we are just seven years behind real time. It's interesting because you have to wonder with a, a smaller cast as well if this episode was able to be made on the cheap. You know, there are, there are a couple of location shots, um, which means they didn't have to build anything. Sure. Um, I don't have the answer to that question, unfortunately, but it, I don't know. It makes you wonder if, yeah. if, it was, if the whole episode was, was done rather cheaply. Well, I understand season four got some budget cuts and season five got even more right. drastic budget cuts. Yeah. yeah. One thing that's worth noting, though, in spite of any of that, the episode does look really good on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I thought that it, it looked great. There's there's the the one scene in particular where uh, Sam wakes up um, chained to the bed, mm-hmm. and when um, Norma Jean comes in, they, they that scene for whatever reason the lighting everything comes together mm-hmm. really well. It's 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 a really well shot, mm-hmm. good looking scene on the Blu-ray. So yeah, awesome. So um, we're gonna do a little switch up here. We're just gonna dive right into the to the cast. Yeah, right away, and then we'll get into the discussion of the episode. Just kind of streamline. Let's do it. Everything. Uh, reminder: We are not a Star Trek podcast, Damn it. but we do have a Star <laughs> Trek uh, alumni on here. We do indeed. Brian George, who plays Ben, uh, Kyle's agent, um, actually played Doctor Julian Bashir's father in the episode Doctor Bashir, I presume, of Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Bashir has uh, became one of my favorite characters in all of Star Trek, I thought this was very cool to see him. You know. A few years prior to that, mm-hmm. that particular episode, yeah. uh, also lots of voice acting, tons sure. of like video games, cartoons, a lot of voice acting. Mm-hmm. It was most recently actually uh, the voice of Alfred Pennyworth in the uh, Killing Joke um, direct uh, DVD cool. slash Blu-ray digital whatever. Well, uh, I, I, yeah. could, I could see him playing Alfred right? in a variation mm-hmm. of uh, of a live action yeah Batman. Um, most recently, he would probably be recognized for um, Big Bang Theory, and as Chris pointed out, he was also in Seinfeld. Yeah, Ooh. he was. Uh, he was like a restaurant owner that Seinfeld came in and asked. Uh, he asked Seinfeld what he could do to drum up more business, and Seinfeld told him to change up the menu, and it like killed his business. Oh God! In fact, <laughs> he was also in the finale of Seinfeld too because okay. they did a throwback to it. I That's, forgot about that. I, I, that, uh, yeah. that rings a bell. That absolutely rings a bell. Um, and then, uh, and then, if you had one more credit to add. No, no, well, no, no. And then, notably, uh, a year after Quantum Leap went off the air, he guest starred an episode of Step by Step. He was in one scene as a college dean by the name of Stockwell, Dean Stockwell, which was really, they just named him that so they could make uh. a, quick, uh, a quick, cheap Quantum Leap joke as an aside. And the joke was literally, <coughs> yes, I'm Dean Stockwell, Spare me the quantum leap jokes, basically. Wow. <laughs> See, if they would have been a little bit more subtle about it, yeah. if they wouldn't have pointed it out within yeah. the episode, if he just would have been Dean Stockwell, I would have probably appreciated that. Sure. Knowing that they pointed it out, I still can't help but appreciate it because it's quantum leap. Yeah. But it, it does take a little wind out of the sales for me. Yeah, well, you know what American sitcoms are known for? 
Subtlety. Subtlety. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah. So for there, uh, move on. Who's the first? Uh, one of the first other guest stars that we see. Uh, we point uh, Matthew Ashford. He was actually a soap opera actor. He was indeed. He played Jack Devereaux on Days of Our Lives for about thirty years. Um, I know he may he might still be in the role. I, I couldn't I couldn't figure that out for sure because it did list an end date of twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. So for all I know, his character died. Which, if I'm not mistaken, because that was the one that my mom watched. Uh, that character died a couple of times. So you know how that's how it works. I, that's how it works in soap operas, man. Characters die, they come back to life. You find out they've been on an island for the past five years. You know, the kids mm-hmm. have aged 20 years in those five years, but it's okay. Sure, it's, yeah. It makes sense somehow, you know. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about soap operas later. We, oh, we, we yeah, have we can to, get, right? We can get, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we have to get into that. I mean, everybody here watched Passions, right? I mean... Uh, we did. <laughs> I watched Days of Our Lives for a while because one of my college classmates yeah. was on... Days of Our Lives, it's the one that's uh, no longer... No, 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 not Days of Our it's Lives. It's still going, yeah. One Life to Live. One Life ah. to Live is the one that is no longer there. And she was on it from 2005 up until... It was canceled. Wow. Chriselle uh, Staus. Okay. Uh, is her name, and we went to we went to college together. Nice. Uh, we did a couple shows together, um, and it, it, it really cool is like a lot of people think of like soap opera as like the, like the stepping stone for actors up and other things, but like in college, like that's all she wanted to be. Oh, nice. A soap opera actor, and wow. so she got that like almost right away. After, Good for her. After uh, graduating, was Passions the one with the like werewolf? Oh and- yeah. Yeah, and the uh, talking dummy, yeah. and the witches, and they totally man. I watched that. Be- I watched that in college because I totally wanted to get in the pants of a bunch of girls, and they totally, <laughs> totally watched that. Yeah. So I was in for like two seasons. So I remember all of it. <laughs> well, I was so so I was a huge Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan, right? Nice. And then I find out um, that the uh, the creative team of Buffy loved Passions, and they thought like. That they were doing these brilliant things, and and it kind of like harkened back to like Dark Shadows. Oh sure, and was, yeah. yeah. And so and so I was like, oh, I'll check this out a little bit. So I watched a few episodes here, or there, and then of course within Buffy they make reference to it later on because Spike and Giles are like having to you know like they've got Spike trapped or whatever, and they and they're watching Passions like you know continuously pretty much. So <laughs> it's it's like their thing. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Um, yeah, Matt Ashford, uh, who plays the TV husband at the very beginning, um, actual soap opera star, so there you go, amongst other things. Lots amongst other things, yeah. Uh, Frances Bay, who plays, uh, Millie, mm-hmm. the, the, the mother, um, we were talking, like, before we hit record, yeah, she was the grandmother in Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore, yes! The yeah. grandmother. Yeah. So oh, sweet, she's so sweet, and yeah. Innocent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then being the, the David Lynch fan that I am, uh, she was also in Blue Velvet, she was in Twin Peaks. She was also in Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me. And then, about eight or nine years after she died, she was also in Twin Peaks The Return because the way that David Lynch filmed and reused elements that was that were discarded uh, for the prior iterations and, and, and because uh, you know of other, other, other things that he had done and the way that he edited it, uh, she was able to appear posthumously in... In Twin Peaks: The Return, That's I fucking really love cool. technology. All right, all right. Well, well, the cool thing is though, is it wasn't like it wasn't like it was like digitally done oh, or anything like that. It was just, yeah, she, those, they just filmed those scenes while awesome. she was still alive, mm-hmm. and so yeah. Um, so I thought that was pretty pretty cool, and and I think that her character uh, even and this episode even has some kind of Lynchian undertones. Oh, God, you know, yeah, yeah, maybe a little 
Coen Brothers as well. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Pruitt Taylor Vince. He has three first names. Yes. He <laughs> oh, he's an assassin. Uh, he plays Hank Pilcher. Um, uh, what I recognize him most from is the 2003 movie Identity. Have you all... Yes. Totally. Yeah. Seen that? Yeah. yeah. Yes. I saw that um, in theaters. I, I did too. Yeah. yeah. That's a great bad movie. Yeah. Like it's not... It, you know, it, it will knock your socks off. Right. And I think by now, by today's standards, it's predictable. Sure. The ending is predictable. I never saw it coming. Uh, I, I, yeah, I didn't. I didn't either. Yeah. Um, it's funny, you know, Cusack had like a string of movies uh, there in like the late 90s, early 2000s, where it was just like every everything he did, I, I wanted to watch. So I saw that in theaters, like Runaway Jury, like obviously like the big ones like High Fidelity and Gross Point Blank and stuff like that. But yeah, he had a string of flicks where it was just like every year there was yeah. a Cusack What was the one where he did uh, with Samuel Jackson with the hotel? 1408? Oh, 14, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that movie was fucking fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nicole yeah. hated it. She was like, you should have never went in there. But I was like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. this is awesome. This room keeps fucking with Well, it was based on a Stephen King short yeah. story, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, to give a quantum leap connection to that that I just uh, thought of, in Identity, his character, he writes the poem and he recites it a couple times. I think the movie ends with like this voiceover, like, yesterday upon the stair I saw a man who wasn't there, something, something, something that I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Quantum Leap, the novel, or Kyrie Knowledge, depending on what side of the pond that you're on, the villain of that novel, he recites it to himself in his head several times oh, interesting. throughout. Yeah. Because I remember when I saw Identity, because like, in Identity, they, they posit that that uh, Pruitt's character wrote the poem. And they're like, eh, yeah. no, no, <laughs> I've, I've, I've heard that one before. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and then uh, he also uh, was in uh, Deadwood. Um, he was in Walking yeah. Dead, Stranger Things, um, you know, this is more of his recent credits. He was also in Heroes Reborn, um, which can we can we just all get on board with the fact that Heroes ended up, unfortunately, being one of the most overrated television programs that has ever aired. Like, it started pretty strong. I was hooked. I wanted to know. But pretty much once they saved the cheerleader, that show and the ser- like the season finale of the first season was just awful. Especially knowing where we are today with superheroes and, and, and films and stuff like that. Like, it was fucking bad. I just remember the whole save the cheerleader thing and how save the world, yeah, and how fucking ape shit everybody was with it, and then after it, radio silence. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, get some more heroes. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but yeah, it was just it was it just wasn't good, and they had some really great cast members, mm-hmm. you know, some good ideas. Mm-hmm. But I I watched a couple episodes, but that was one I never really got yeah, into. Me either. Yeah. Oh well. Anyway, uh, and, uh, <laughs> I guess maybe that leaves us like the like the like the, the, the guest, lead star. guest yeah. star, yeah, if you will, yeah. Um, Kathleen Wilhoit uh, plays Norma Jean. Um, she's got an extensive list of credits. Um, you, you know, just just tons and tons of stuff. Uh, I'm sure you recognize her from something else. Uh, some of the standouts for me included uh, Roadhouse. She plays a uh, waitress in, uh, in Roadhouse who uh, scopes out Patrick Swayze's butt at one point. Uh, she was, uh, did a stint on the Gilmore Girls. Um, the thing that I recalled her from the most was ER. Um, she played Chloe Lewis, who was um, Sherry Stringfield's 
character of Sharon Lewis's sister. Um, pretty pretty crucial role. In spite of, Dennis pointed this out before we started recording. She was only in about fifteen or sixteen episodes. Hmm. But the character was incredibly important and, and, and really served to kind of further a couple of arcs. Uh, had her own arc, obviously, but, but uh, helped out with um, you know, her sister's kind of overall uh, arc as well as interacting with a few of the other characters. So, um, yeah. Anything else? No. Her? Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that, that's what I got. All right. Well, let's do this. Let's talk about this episode. <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, initial thoughts? Do uh, out of the gate. So, my recollection of this episode um, did not serve it nearly well enough. I, I just kind of chalk, I, like I was just sort of like, yeah, it was an episode that happened. Mm-hmm. He was a soap opera star. Yeah, you know, she wanted to have his baby. Mm-hmm. Um, watching it again, I was struck by how much I really enjoyed it. How I thought that it was well written and well acted and well shot. How there was some. You know, some, some subtext that I feel like really came through. Um, the, the the sense of humor was was very oddball, off the wall. Like I said, I kind of compared it to, you know, David Lynch or, 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 or even the Coen brothers. Like, there was definitely something about it that felt off-kilter, and I loved that. There was all, It's almost like a genre episode. Yeah. Because, like, the, the dark humor is... Yeah. 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 This episode made me realize how much of a scumbag I am. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. Yeah. And I say that because I would have been get like if you're mm. if you're a soap opera star, you gotta imagine that this happens a lot. You get a lot of crazy fans that are like, I wanna have your baby, right? Sure. Okay. And I have a soft spot in my heart for lonely housewives who just want some attention. <laughs> So I would have given her that attention, and I probably would have given her a wild ride on Space Mountain. <laughs> so yeah, all the people out there, yeah. This episode it's a good thing we don't have sponsors. We just lost our Yeah, this uh, this episode is brought to us by uh, the Aldi brand of Lacroix. The Belle V. Yeah, Belle V. Aldi brand of Lacroix. A little bit more carbonation and kick than mm-hmm. regular Lacroix. Treating me, treating me nicely. I can't complain. Uh, uh, you know, I just to, just to follow up on that, Chris. I, I completely get where you're coming from. I think that the temptation to take advantage of that would be extremely strong. Uh-huh. Um, you, you know, I think that obviously the, the thing that gets in the way here is probably a gun for the most part, amongst other things. Um, stupid. Some, some some baggage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dennis, what about you? What were your... Uh, uh, oh, I have some thoughts just based on what, 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 what Chris just said. Uh, <laughs> but, um, very similar to you. Um, excuse I'm fighting a cough, so if I cough a few times... Cough away, right, man. It's a heavy <laughs> Yeah. In all sorts of stuff um, But, um, yeah, I just remember, like, uh, this was just kind of an episode that happened, and then, like, re-watching the episode recently, probably for the first time in over a decade, like, appreciating the dark the dark humor and how they leaned into like this this weird little genre yeah of it all yeah uh yeah Sam and Al seem kind of out of place in this genre to yeah. uh <laughs> especially Al like Sam it works so much because I feel like that's so often his character is kind of the you know for, for, for lack of a better term the straight man to whatever's happening around him you know yeah. I don't mean that specifically comedically but just in general like he, he you know that's his function a lot of times yeah um, but it makes the episode I feel like at times it makes the episode even more 
chilling. Like, it works even better mm-hmm. because of him. It's when Al comes in, unfortunately, and this is not on Dean Stockwell or even the writing. It's just, I agree with what you're saying. Like, when Al comes in, there there is an element of... Now we're back to Quantum Leap by the numbers. I got you. He's got a mission. This is the information. This is what he's got to do. Here's Al's quip. Sure. He's opening the door. He's gone. You know, that yeah. sort of stuff. Whereas when he's not around, it's it, 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 it's not it's not Quantum Leap by the numbers. You know? mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like that. Uh, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Um, so speaking of Quantum Leap by the numbers, so uh, if we're going to jump back to the first episode, like the initial... The initial leap in. We get, I think we've seen this at least once before or twice before. Sam is clearly in a staged television show environment and he gets so wrapped up in it. Yeah. He does not realize it. Disco Inferno is the other Disco one. Disco Inferno is one. Yeah. Uh, not, not on TV, but uh, kind of a staged thing. Uh, the Last Gunfighter. Yeah. is one, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so Sam starts giving CPR to... And I have to admit, the lady who gave the CPR, uh, not gave, returned it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, who returned the CPR. She had no lines, but she was clearly the happiest person in this entire episode. Sure, because she was like, "Oh, I'm getting like." I'm getting to kiss the hunk of the year 1985. Yeah. Well, I mean, also, arguably, she's also getting to kiss the hunk of the year 1992 because Scott Bakula was nothing to was nothing to sneeze at. And there are a couple I, of lines in here I feel like it was kind of an inside joke. Totally meta references. I was yeah. surprised. There were there are there are at least two that stand out in my mind that are clearly meta references. And I was just like, man. Which are this is such a smart script. Um the uh where is it? Where is it? Uh the thing that you were just talking about, the housewives. Yeah. Um you know, being attracted to him or whatever, and, yeah. and, his, and Sam's response is so perfect, where he's like, "Yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't think that, that would happen either." Yeah. And it just felt so like Scott Bakula commenting on, you know, or Sam Beckett commenting on Scott Bakula as much yeah. as he's commenting on the character's plan. And then the other one uh, didn't think you big TV stars went to the bathroom because it's one of those things where in Quantum Leap specifically, but television in general, we never see characters go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. The thing that makes it even funnier for Quantum Leap is Sam is always going to the bathroom, but he's never going to the bathroom, because he's always going to, okay. you know, and so it was such a per, like, I was like, that is one of the most, like, that is one of the smartest lines in all of Quantum Leap, as far as I'm concerned. Ah, that's the next level. See, the one right. I saw was the, uh, one of the first scenes when we meet Ben, where he says, hey, I know things are really hard right now, hopefully when things calm down next season, you won't be in every scene. Oh. And Sam was like, every scene, and then I was like, that's yep. pretty pretty close to Scott Bakula's <laughs> predicament on the show. Yeah, absolutely. <coughs> yeah, there, there was something else at play in this one. Like, good yeah. for you, Tommy Thompson. A good little, for you. A little bit, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so in the, uh, yeah, so in the, one of the first scenes when, when Al shows up, Sam and Al have a, a funny little scene where uh, Al's one of Memorial's lines of why Ziggy is screwing up. Uh, we uh, this new thing a little jet lag with the modem of the floppy disk. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Sam's like you're just making things up, which is another meta reference when you think about it. Because yeah. anytime they're talking about Ziggy getting something wrong, the writers are literally making that up. shit up. Yeah, uh, but it was, uh, Ooh, this episode's even smarter than I, I thought. <laughs> See, yeah. uh, out there in fandom, there there are some blooper reels of this scene of of uh, Scott and Dean continually cracking up over the line modem of the floppy disk. And also the end of the scene where where Al calls Sam Doctor Hunk and them 
and them cracking up over, <laughs> nice. over that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which I, I'll share on the page later on. What's, what's so bad is like, uh, what, what is on YouTube, the video quality is so degraded because like, it's like it's been passed from like VHS tape to VHS yeah. tape over the years. And why wasn't this on the DVDs or the Blu-rays? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it, we also get, um, if we did segments on this podcast, we get Al's bad behavior, which is when he wants to follow the extra to, uh, oh, who plays the nurse. Oh, sure. He wants to follow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he, yeah. He, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, yeah, it's Al as usual. Al's right. outfits in this episode, though. Oh, yeah, he came in point, looking like, like the, the devil's suit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Is it a bolo tie with the... Oh, yeah. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I was digging it. Uh, But, yeah. But this... You made me think of this with your comment, Chris, is imagine how Al would have behaved in this episode if Norma Jean, and I'm going to use a sexist term here, Mm. was hot. Mm. Mm -hmm. He would have been all about Sam fucking Sam. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, was she not supposed to be high? Because well, I, I was attracted to her. No, I mean that's the thing. She's a, she's an attractive person. I but I but I get what Dennis is saying that that like she's not. She's the actor not is what, attractive, and they and they obviously like they did some things to make her look, especially with the costume. I, mean, I feel like the costume in particular, uh, like they definitely yeah. like to make um, her look redneck, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is interesting, um, and, and and makes a lot of sense. I think it's probably part of. Um, the point in some ways is that she's, you know, she's not like some stone cold Fox. Yeah. You know, like other maybe characters have been or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but no, you're absolutely right. Like if, if, if Al would have found her to be attractive, yeah, the tone of this episode for, for him anyway, would have changed entirely and been incredibly inappropriate, obviously, but yeah. I mean, we're art. Yeah. There's already levels of inappropriate. Well, oh yeah. Episode. I mean, clearly. Yeah, clearly. Uh, anyway, so, um, yeah, for those of you following along at home, so yeah, so, we get into the meat of the episode pretty quickly. Sam yep. saying he's got to go do this uh, this dinner soap soap uh, soap detergent thing. Which I think this is a perfect opportunity for us to just briefly touch on the history of soap operas in general, because the name originates from the fact that when the, these uh, adult dramas, as they mm-hmm. were originally you know thought up of uh, on the radio, um, they were all, almost universally uh, sponsored by detergent. Mm-hmm. And right. and so that's where the soap opera title uh, uh, came from. The earliest um, serial to be considered a soap opera was Painted Dreams, which debuted in October 20th, 1930, on Chicago's own radio station, WGN. Ooh. Um, nice. Broadcast weekday time slots, uh, five days a week. Um, and obviously, because it's the weekday, it's, you know, Monday through Friday, Who's your number one audience in the 1930s? Housewives. housewives. Yep. Uh, what do housewives need to buy? Soap. So yep. there you go. Um, and so the, the the shows were often, you know, had an emphasis on family life and sexual drama, moral conflict, that sort of thing. Um, there's 
everybody is sleeping with everybody. everybody. To quote Al. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, obviously, these spread like wildfire, not only in, in the country, but uh, across the pond uh, and down under because they are, I mean, they're popular all over, obviously, but I think that uh, the UK and Australia, um, you know, really to this day, I mean, the UK has the longest running soap opera of all time, um, which is The Archers, which BBC Radio broadcast in 1950, Woo! still going today. Um, Coronation Street, which was broadcast on ITV in 1960, still going to this day. Um, so, uh, that's the, the, the world's longest running television soap opera. Wow. Um, I gotta give big props also to the Mexican telenovela. I was just getting ready. I yeah. fucking love. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember going, I had, I had like this nasty flu and I went to the doctor and it was like packed in there because everybody had this flu. And I remember sitting there watching the telenovela with a middle-aged, it was a middle-aged Mexican lady and like she was to my right and like a Guatemalan lady who must have been like 25 and we were all huddled watching this meanwhile this is in entire Spanish I don't speak a lick of Spanish <laughs> and I was in there with them and I was engaged and yeah somebody was sleeping with somebody who had somebody <laughs> baby and I was like oh my god well, you know, worth worth noting that obviously with the genre having been around for so long, um, that there are also some you've know, been some brilliant kind of parodies and, and, and homages. I mean, obviously you have like soap um, mm-hmm. and, and, and something more recent, which fits in really well with what you were saying, would be Jane the Virgin, um, yes. which is uh, which is a really 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 well done show. Like I didn't know how I would you know feel about it necessarily, but we watched uh, the bulk of it when Jessica was pregnant actually um, that it aired up until that time and um, just it, really smart, really really smart. And and the funny thing about it is is that it spends so much time making fun of telenovelas and yet. In and of itself, it basically is a telenovela. Mm-hmm. Like it, 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 you know, apes so many of the same plot lines, and and and. But the themes and and some of the other stuff that goes a little deeper, uh, like you know, in particular, parenthood, motherhood, and uh, f- familial relationships. But uh, anyway, so yeah, so it's certainly worth um, worth worth noting. And and in the eighties, in particular, when this episode is set, soap operas were extremely popular. Mm-hmm. You know, probably at their zenith. Yeah. Um, you know, through no uh, um, small coincidence of the fact that you could walk into any grocery store or drugstore and find probably a good six or seven different publications devoted oh, to just, yeah. soap operas. Yeah. Um, and and uh, when I was younger, you know, I didn't get this. But now that I'm older and have learned a few things, a lot of those soap opera magazines were owned by parent companies that either were affiliated with or owned the networks that the soap operas were airing on. So I never understood why certain soap opera magazines only covered like the ones that were on CBS. This one seemed to really love Days of Our Lives, which is on NBC. Uh, so now I can look back and be like, uh, uh, I get it. Like Dawn's. Um, but uh, yeah, and you had like the Daytime Emmy Awards were a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, there were, it was such a big deal for a while that Susan Lucci was always nominated but never won. Mm-hmm. That's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. And who were the two? Who were the two characters in General Hospital that everybody was mad about? And like their their wedding episode was like one of the highest rated daytime television episodes of all time. Oh, like, yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, they were really at their zenith. I feel like in the eighties, um, they and, were. Uh, that, uh, that's how I was introduced to John Delancey. 
Uh, totally. Hugh, yeah. Because he was on Days of Our Lives for a while. And this is like when I was just like getting old enough to like watch TV. Because I would watch it like with my mom like during the summer mm-hmm. or, yep. or whatever. And uh, he played uh, a, a, a mentally ill person on the show. And I just remember like this this one scene of like he walks in, like this old lady in the room. And she told somebody something that she wasn't supposed to tell. And he was like... You shouldn't have talked. And he, un- he unzips his members-only jacket, oh, God. and he pulls out a knife. And it just cuts away, and you know what oh. happens. Wow. And, yeah. I was like, oh, that's, yeah. That and is I was a little kid. Brutal. Watching that. Uh, members-only jacket. Holy shit, that takes me back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, I mean, at this particular time, and the thing is, is I think that in the 80s, in addition, of course, to daytime soap operas, you also had evening soap operas, which were probably, you know, at their biggest, which, you know, like, Dynasty, Dallas, Falcon Crest, right, like, yeah. all, you know, all the big ones. Um, so, I mean, they were just, they were huge at that particular point in time when this episode is set. Uh, and still, I, you know, would argue probably decently big in the early 90s when the episode aired. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, but I think also worth noting that at that time that most of those, like, evening soaps had, had, you know, been canceled or gone away. You know, some of the daytime soaps started to struggle around then. I know that there mm-hmm. were a rash of them that were canceled, like, in the mid to late 90s, and then even more of them. I think that there's only, like, a few around today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these days they're all, like weird talk shows and Judge Judy, so I, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. Fake, fake, fake judges and, 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 yeah, uh, and, and pregnancy tests. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so one more side where we get on this dinner thing before we move on, because uh, I stumbled on this a few, uh, a few weeks ago when I first rewatched this episode. Um, David Hasselhoff very accidentally discovered that he was big in Germany. <laughs> That's right. Because... <laughs> He was sent out on on a lunch date, very much oh, like this one. Except he wasn't sent out like like the the person like came to his home, and he tried to get out of it at the last minute. But the agent was like like no, like she won this contest, you got to do it. And it turns out she was from Austria, and and she came to the lunch and told David Hasselhoff, "You are very big in my country." And David Hasselhoff had just come off Night Rider. He had just released his first rock album in the U.S. and it tanked. So he was in a very he was in a place of like he did not know where he was going next, and this fan comes in and is like, "You're very big in my country," and he's like, "I say what now? <laughs> where, 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 where are you from?" Uh, yeah, yeah. Is she's like, she's from Austria. Yeah. yeah, and and so, um, and so he had his agent look into it, and it turns out, yeah, he was huge, and so that's how he ended up like going to like to sing over the Berlin Wall in a crane as it was coming down. It's so random that you're bring that up. <laughs> Because I swear Apple News, for whatever reason, gave me a notification earlier. Uh, they were like, like the, because like they just like passed the, like the, the anniversary of the wall coming down in, in Germany. Mm. So like I, I saw a lot of news outlets like do a story of how, yeah. believe it or not, yeah. America, David Hasselhoff is huge in Germany. The Washington Post, two hours ago, in America, David Hasselhoff is a past his prime TV actor. But in Europe, he's a huge pop star and has been for decades. Yeah. So there you have it. Um, uh, and for a while on, on Saturday Night Live, when Norm Macdonald did the the weekend update, he just had this occasional running joke of, and that's why Germans love David Hasselhoff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in fact, the article even says on New Year's Eve 1989, Hasselhoff hovered in a bucket crane over a crowd of thousands who had gathered to celebrate the collapse of the Berlin Wall. He had come there to sing his German pop hit, Looking for Freedom. 
he wasn't expecting to become an enduring part of the city's history. My God. Yeah. Apparently a framed photo hangs at Checkpoint Charlie to this day of him doing that. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. So, uh, if you had not... This was a song that came out, like, 2006, 2007. Just, like, when, like, online video, like, YouTube and stuff was, like, you know, really starting to take off. He has a car... He has a song called Jump In My Car. Oh, yeah. Have you seen this video? Oh. Have you heard it? Oh, Jump in my car. <laughs> I want to take you home. Oh, yeah. I've seen it. I've seen it. I had a friend of mine who was obsessed with David Hasselhoff when I was in college to the point where, like, for birthdays, for Christmas, whatever, he would give you a, 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 a card that had some sort of inappropriate picture of David Hasselhoff in a Speedo on it, like, for whatever reason. And, like, he would play that video at parties, at... Baptisms. Mm-hmm. I made that up, but anyway, yeah, like yeah. I mean, researching to do. Yeah, shit. I'm telling you, jumping my car is buried in my brain, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, Chris Leo. So the song is basically like he he picks up this girl outside of a nightclub. Jump in my car. I want to take you home. You can guess like he wants to do when he takes her home. And throughout the course of the song, he learns that she actually lives pretty far away, like a couple of towns over. And he's like, Oh no, that's too far. And then the last round through, it it. Jumps from jump in my car to get out of my car. Seriously. <laughs> and in the video, the car is Kit. Kit, yeah. And when she won't get out, he has Kit eject her. Yep. Hits <laughs> the Hey, no, dude, this is for real. Y'all gotta be this. <laughs> no, we're not making it's this up. It's for real. Oh, my it's God. It's for real. Wow. Um, so, we, well... We do a great job of keeping on track. In spite of all of our promises. Um, but we'll steer it back, because yes. where this all started was that we do get the They get done with dinner, and Norma Jean is like, hey... Jump in my car. Jump in my car. Um, <laughs> but, but, but I want to take you home. Ben, you know, Ben has told Sam prior to the, the, the lunch that, uh, that he has to do this because she's a contest winner yeah. for the, you know, for the, the advertisers, the soap, uh, right. uh, commercial or whatever. And, uh, the, I have to say that the, um, the lunch, like immediately the warning bells go off. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Norma Jean is, is, is referring to him as his character as though the events in the show are real. That said, there is a wonderful sensitivity at display mm-hmm. by Sam, by the director, by mm-hmm. the writer. Like, everything about this, and obviously the actor playing it, Norma Jean, it, it feels incredibly grounded. Like, she gained my sympathy fairly early. Mm-hmm. Lost a little bit of it when she dumped the lady's camera in the soup, but... Really? I thought that was awesome. <laughs> it was very fucking warranted, yeah. if you ask me. Well, I think I think that particular part of that scene is, is cut out of reruns because I did not remember that scene oh, yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah. But, but anyway, but yeah, I thought it was very well done. Because mm-hmm. didn't a lady come over and say, "Oh, I didn't want to interrupt you here with your sister or your cousin." Yeah, and I'm thinking to myself that this fan is going to start swinging. Well, because she 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 basically, I mean, doesn't basically she insults Norma Jean a couple of times with these backhanded comments. Oh, yeah. Like, like at one point she says something along the lines of like, "Clearly, you're not here on a date with her." Right. You know. Right. And it's just sort of like, "Damn, lady." Yeah. Like, chill, chill the fuck out. Yeah. And then she, before that, she like rushed him. She yeah. Oh like, yeah. I wanted to. This is the thought that went through my head when she came up and was like, "You're him." If I was him, I'd be like, yeah, and you need a breath mint. <laughs> yeah, you, need- <laughs> I, you know, you, you do see uh, oftentimes um, 
in our social media obsessed world, people posting pictures with celebrities that they bump into and that sort of stuff. Uh, on the flip side of that, there are a couple of people that I follow on Twitter. Jason Isbell being one of them, who recently a fan like asked, like, "Hey, you know, is it cool if I ever see you in public to ask for a picture?" And 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 I just love this that he gave the ground rules, and he's like, "As long as I'm not eating, working out, or with my kid." Like, dun, dun, and it's like, and, and it's like, those are good rules to have. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and, and I think that everybody should have different boundaries. I'm not saying that every celebrity should follow those rules. Sure. I'm just saying that those are his boundaries. And I think that that's cool for me. I think that the eating thing though is probably a fairly universal one. And it just feels like, cause I've been places where there's been someone famous before and they're eating. And I saw this happen one time to Brent Spiner of all people. Actually, he was eating and a fan came up to him and they started talking to him, and Brent Spiner like had this look on his face like, I'm literally in the middle of a bite right now. And the fan just keeps talking, and then finally is like, I should probably come back when you're not eating. You think? And, and Brent Spiner just kind of like smiles and nods, and it's like, you couldn't have got that like Figured that 10 out. minutes ago. Oh, like, that went by that thought. <laughs> Brent Spiner, I followed him on Twitter for a while. He's kind of a jerk <laughs> in real life. Yeah. Well, yeah. Fates Wide Wheel, not sponsored by Brent <laughs> Spider. Not, not, not sponsored by Brent Spider. We will not be, uh, we will not be tagging Here goes our guest host. And the Twitter post. There goes, ah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so he gets, he gets bum rushed while he's eating. Yeah. Nice. Uh, but Norma Jean, like, uh, they, they touch on the fact that you've seen that, that her and Hank are actually from Appalachia. Yep. And they've made their way. And they've made their way like out there. Three years prior, something like three or something four like years that. Prior, yeah, yeah. Uh, I recently read a book about uh, the history of uh, of poor people in America throughout throughout the history, like from the founding of the colonies. Like particularly, the book is called White Trash. Yeah, uh, okay. yeah. So it's particularly about uh, the white poor people and how basically, like, we, we like to pretend there's not a class system among white people in in America. But there definitely has been, and there always is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and just, like, this tripped a lot of wires for me, just, like, stuff I'm reading in the book. Like, oh, like, from Appalachia, and, like, migrating out, and how they were guarded. Uh, and we'll get into it a little bit later, and how... And this is stuff, like, I never really consciously thought about, but the book points out, is, like, how, uh, how white trash people are often portrayed as uh, oversexed and sexually mm. deviant. And... That's right up my alley. Like where where we go in this episode, I was like, oh man, like this this hits a lot Checks of things that I had yeah. not. Uh, like I wondered how conscious the writer uh, Tommy Thompson was. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, I I would be interested to 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 ask that question because there are so many other things that I feel like are handled a little bit more sensitively. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it, thinking about that in particular, and I, I but I would, I would certainly argue when it comes to the context of the time uh-huh. that unfortunately in 1992, I don't think it was in the popular consciousness that we thought about it in a manner that we needed to be sensitive Yeah, to, to, to that particular class or, or, or whatnot. I mean, I would even think like, even like more recently. Like well, no, I think it's one of the reasons why we have the president we have today. Ooh. <laughs> I you know I mean yeah. I, absolutely because those people got treated like trash unfortunately yeah. and somebody came along and told them I'll give you all your dreams and so they fucking voted for him and now we're in the mess that we're in today yeah uh, well, oh, I, I I've lost all pretense of hiding no 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 no, no. I'm not saying yeah. that. I'm just saying and I think we, we we were talking about this off mic the other night uh, the the book that I'm talking about it came out a few months before Trump was elected um, and the electronic version that I downloaded from the library. Um, 
it's a re-release after Trump was elected, and so the author has a new preface to the book where mm. she addresses Trump's election. And she was like, no, don't blame this on white poor people. Like, they may have voted in some numbers for him, but statistics show that Trump's main supporters are more affluent white people. Totally. Absolutely. Uh, I, but, but I think that the argument can be made that without that particular demographic, like, if, if it was just rich white folks voting for him, he wouldn't be in the fucking White House. So, yeah. anyway, I think it's worth noting, yeah, White Trash, The 400-Year Untold History of Class in America by Nancy Eisenberg is the name of the book. Yeah. Uh, Dennis, I finally figured out the book that I was talking about is Hillbilly Elegy by Jamie ah, Vance. Ah, okay. Um, which is uh, also another book that, that touches on similar topics and themes, and both, uh, uh, from what I've heard now about sure. the one you're mentioning, and from my experience with Hillbilly Elegy, both are, are excellent reads. So, yeah. Um, a little depressing at times, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you know, and I think the other part of this conversation as it, as it pertains to Hank and uh, Norma Jean and Millie as well is that uh, in addition to that background, they also are, I think it's fair to say, clearly all three mentally ill. Mm-hmm. Um, the fascinating thing is that I would argue that the way that Tommy Thompson handles it, and again, the way that the director and the cast handles that that mental illness, mm-hmm. by the end of the episode in particular, is done with a wonderful amount of sensitivity mm-hmm. and, 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 and reality um, for, for a 1992 45-minute television show. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I have... Uh, we'll just go ahead and, and jump in. So we're, we're good jumping all over the place. Um, I, I have some serious misgivings, especially with... With I know Sam is not a psychologist, he is a medical doctor, but where do you think it's a good idea to try to confront her delusions by faking a heart attack yeah. to, to, to ape him into surgery? Right. I, wh- where did Sam think that that was going to go? Well, he, you know, I blame Al. Um, <laughs> <laughs> As I was do. the one that gave him the advice, you know, find a weakness and exploit it. Yeah. But, you know. Um no, I agree. Uh he screws the pooch on that one, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um but it does lead to a really beautiful tender scene between the two of them on the bridge. Sure. Um that I feel like is is a, a Kind of points to you know to, to what I was saying about how I think that ultimately there is a sensitivity about the way that it's handled, and in particular with the end of the episode too, acknowledging the fact that she's going to be, you know, looked after, like she's going mm-hmm. to be in in inpatient care for quite some time, mm-hmm. but she does eventually get out, mm-hmm. you know, and she and Hank end up together. Mm-hmm. That was um, sweet. Yeah. yeah. So there's a little bit of sweetness to it, but no, I, yeah, Sam Sam fucks up. That. <laughs> <laughs> right. That he is. Uh, so yeah, so they have the lunch. Uh, then he gets kidnapped. Ooh. They have the funny, the the fun scene at the diner. Yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Before we get there, uh, I like that um, he's really sweet to her after the dinner. I mean, because like that was a shitty dinner. It didn't go right, nearly right. the way. <laughs> but they go outside, and some guys like peddling roses, and he's like, you know what? Here's a rose from the man you love or whatever yeah and she's like okay i love you i'm gonna go powder my nose and it was a funny scene with that and he's like 
I wonder what they do when they say powder. Right, right. Do they yeah. use powder or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then she pulls the burner. Holy shit. Yeah. What gun was that? That was a thirty eight. That's what it looked like. Little, yeah. yeah. Woof. A little, little snub nose revolver. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. It, you know, it's interesting because I think Sam is is starting to piece together the fact that you know this this woman may be, um, for lack of a better word, a little disturbed. Um, that she's having a difficulty identifying what reality is and what it isn't. And he, he's talking to her, and, and the Rose thing is another great example. Like I said, he's behaving very sensitive to mm-hmm. her. You know, he's being, yeah. you know, and, and kind of acknowledging the fact that, like, okay, without being too put off by it, you know. Because yeah. he could be thinking in the back of his head all the time, like, let's get this over with. Yeah. i got to figure out what my mission is. i got to figure out why I'm here. Like, this is, mm-hmm. you know... But he doesn't, which is nice. And also begs the question that if he was typical Hollywood scum, right, would this have even happened? Well, I mean, in the original history, yeah, um, the dinner happened. He did get kidnapped, shot in the head with a shotgun, shot in the, uh, shot in the head with a yeah. shotgun, with no memory of what happened. I mean, this is the the thing is, in the original history, Kyle lived. Yeah, they don't explain whether or not he had any long-lasting damage from having been shot in the head with a shotgun. Here we go, guys. I'm about ready to take us somewhere dark. We visited this place before. All right. But we're going to go back again. All right. Here's some deep fan wank here. Does Sam, by completing his mission in this leap, inadvertently erase the existence of another human being? Fuck yeah, he did. Did, in the original history, he inseminate Norma Jean and Norma Jean have a baby, and now, because Sam completes his mission... She does not have the baby. Ah. I think the reason he had amnesia was not because of the gunshot wound to the head. I think she fucked the soul out his ass. <laughs> I think she just... Holy shit. Mm. And then he just couldn't remember anything after he that. Couldn't, yeah, it just all went away. Maybe. Uh, that, that's a great question. I think it was the gunshot wound to the head. <laughs> yeah. But whatever you want, Chris. I think it was maybe... <laughs> Maybe yeah. Um, so uh, let's get on. Um, so so after the lunch, you know, you, like you said, like he handled it very sensitive. Like he even points out that I was like, yeah, she's having a hard time, like differentiating between you know the character, the blah blah blah. Uh, and then Hank pulls up, and we 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 got a, a a reprise guest star that we haven't seen in a couple seasons that we totally forgot to mention. We have the murder van from another mother. Yes. It's not really the same band. No, but, but it might as well but, be. But in the rewatch, I was like, oh, that's the murder van. That from does mother. like a kidnap van. Right. Yeah. That is, yeah. But it's, you know, it's, it's once Hank comes in in particular, there's a little bit of it at the lunch, but once Hank gets there, like I said, that sort of Lynchian Coen Brothers mm-hmm. sort of odd ball kind of, you know, character and humor really starts to take hold. Yeah. The, you know, the, the conversation at the diner, Ooh. the even the, you know, even uh, Norma Jean playing the Everly Brothers song, like, just all of it feels very much like this could have been, if, if, if David Lynch were ever going to direct an episode of Quantum Leap, this is the episode he would have directed. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that Joe Napolitani uh, is... is, is Directing that episode like David Lynch or anything, I'm just saying that yeah. it feels like it. Well, could you know, be, you there know. there is very, uh, uh, you know, uh, dream that that's the song that she wants to dance mm-hmm. to and everything. Yeah. Does have a weird kind of parallel to Dean Stockwell dancing to uh, in dreams yeah. from uh, from Blue Velvet. And we've got someone who was in Blue Velvet and Twin Peaks in this episode. Whoa. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, really? yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Mama. Mama. Yeah. So it's a little bit. Yeah. It's 
It's a little bit of tribute to, yeah. It has to be. I, really, right. I, I can't help but think of it any other way. Even the way they find Millie, when they when they go into the house and she's spinning around in her electric <laughs> chair. I thought I was in a tornado. Yeah, I thought I was in a tornado. And they, there's that line, too, about, like, um, uh, Mama Sharp. Yeah, Sharp is a bowling pin. Yeah. yeah. She fell asleep on the control stick. I mean, she's great. Hank she has, great. Hank, speaking of Hank, he has so many great lines. The Sharp yeah. is the bowling pin and his little monologue later on in the episode where he talks about how him and Norma Jean met. Oh, was, God, yes. I was, she was cleaning it, and I was robbing it. Yep. And then and we then, ended up on our knees. Yeah. Praying. <laughs> Not, <laughs> Not exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, I mean, honestly, the episode takes off once Hank gets in the scene. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and from there on until the end of the episode... I, like, I'll be damned if this didn't turn out to be one of my favorite episodes of season four. It was. There's definitely, uh, th- this is our, our, our favorite word on the podcast, there's definitely a lot of problematic elements to the episode. Of course. The, and this is... Uh, We're going to get there. <laughs> yeah, w- uh, one of our listeners, uh, Diana, she she pointed out previously before, like, and just, like, messaging back and forth, you know, just, like, jumping ahead. It can be argued, like, this episode is just one long rape joke. Yeah. I mean, that's... Norma Jean has an ultimate goal of fathering a child, or mothering a child, right. with, with Kyle, Craig, Sam. Right. But, yeah, this is all about Sam is going to be, I was going to say forced to have sex, but we already say that we he's going to be raped. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's, it's interesting, too, the tactics that he takes to try to avoid that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason why I say that is that there is nothing overtly violent about anything that he does until, you know, the very end, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess you could argue it's violent to jump out a window, but sure. it's not hurt. He's not hurting anyone but himself. I mean, just yeah. pulling a most time. <laughs> <laughs> but until he, you know, until he punches Hank, like he hasn't, like he, he's not done anything overtly violent to try to escape the situation, mm-hmm. um, which I think is interesting. It's actually something that, um, in a different way, he doesn't say it quite like this, but the guy in the MacGyver project also points out that there are times when it's like Sam could have probably gotten out of the situation, but but didn't, and and sure. and, 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 and it basically you know because he doesn't commit an act of violence or whatever, mm-hmm. um, in spite of the fact that a terrible act is going to be committed against him yes. if he doesn't get out of that situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's an interesting. Uh, what is it called? Um, Everybody was sharing this on uh, on Facebook and social media uh, some time ago. I can't, I don't have it pulled up right now. But it's an entire like uh, almost like a video podcast episode. It's about a half hour long, like exploring uh, uh, jokes about men being raped mm. through pop culture, like kids movies, popular movies. Like yeah. it, it, it dove a lot into uh, Wedding Crashers. Uh, that particular movie and like I said a lot of kids movies and this one was most specifically about like men on men uh, and they said like they promised like women sexually assaulting men in a future episode but I could not find that future episode sure uh, so I, I, I don't think it ever got made but uh, but, the, but yeah I mean you're right like just contextually speaking I mean there's a lot of uh, I mean even to this day there's no shortage of it on either 
sure. gender for that matter. But yeah. uh, but it, there there are a lot of examples I think in the in like the late eighties, early nineties of that kind of being joke. One thing that just popped into my head for whatever reason was that movie Secret of My Success with Michael J. Fox, mm. where there's a character who repeatedly tries to have sex with him and, and gets fairly forceful about it when he, you know, says no. And one of the kind of interesting aspects about that relationship is that they'd had sex prior. But after he finds out that she's married to his uncle, he's like, we can never have sex again. But she tries multiple times to force herself upon him. Mm -hmm. And it's always, of course, played for a laugh. And it's even in one character even comments at one point without knowing the relationship between the two of them. Sure. Comments at one point that what the hell is his problem? He should be having sex with this person. Yeah. You know, and so it is interesting to the, 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 the dynamic, the different way. That we that we think about and talk about, and Chris, even what you were saying earlier, and I know this wasn't what you were saying, but but about like if you were in, in that character's shoes and had the opportunity, it's like I'd probably take advantage of it. Sure. But at the same time, there's this. There, I think that there is kind of that element where you know you do look at a, at that and, and and think like, well, what's the problem? And and ultimately, the problem is, as in all cases, is that that person doesn't want to have sex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the of this podcast episode, maybe we'll put it in the show notes because that's a thing that we've done before, never do. Uh, but he points out, like most recently, it, it's like in like superhero movies. Like he points out, like a rape joke in Guardians of the Galaxy, mm. uh, where like where they first get into the the prison thing, like the one like big, almost like rock monster kind of thing. Like he uh, he singles out Chris Pratt. Oh, yeah, that's right. And like like basically like I'm gonna slather you up in something something, and then group comes along and sticks his finger twigs up the guy's nose. Um, and in Deadpool 2, there's a... Uh, way makes a whole... Yeah. You know, the interesting thing, and this is this is, this is is going to sound two-faced in a way, and I don't mean to, no comic book pun intended, since sure. we're talking comic movies. The funny thing is that in Guardians of the Galaxy, I think that it's easier to make a case, probably, that this is potentially problematic or that this is something that maybe they weren't thinking about when they wrote that. It was just a cheap way to get the laugh or whatever. With something like Deadpool, it just feels like all bets are off. And so everything's fair game and we're going to make fun of it all. And I think that that's the thing, too. It's like the intent. Mm -hmm. If your intent is to make fun of the fact that there is a trope where we make fun about, you know, in particular with prison, men getting raped in prison, and that's your intent to make the joke that you're making a joke about the fact that we make jokes when we shouldn't, that's kind of what, you know what I mean? Like gotcha. that to me feels more like what Deadpool would be doing. Whereas mm-hmm. what Guardians of the Galaxy is doing is it's just sort of like they're making the cheap joke without understanding the fact that it's a cheap joke and it's insensitive. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, I haven't seen Deadpool like, 2, so I don't know. I, I'm just I assuming that I, with that I, character. No, they're, they're not really making a joke about the joke. It's just a joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. 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 But. Mm. But Sam, but yeah, but Sam, uh, when when do we find out that that is Norma Jean's intention? Because I've forgotten, honestly. So uh, when they when they first get there and Millie, Millie. Uh, okay, when Millie points out like, yeah, can you imagine like Hank, someone his age shooting blanks, blah blah blah, and that's when it's revealed that yes, and that's when like Sam does like the comedic, the hand, the the hand, the and then Norma Jean comes along, knocks Catches him out, the frying knocks him out with the, the frying dough. pan, like, oh, I thought he'd take the news better, which is just, I mean, her delivery of that line is so perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I can't say enough good about. Kathleen Wilhoyt in this episode, like honestly, she balances. I think the the um, sort of the zaniness over top over the top quality of this character and grounds it really really well with something at play that is very like it's not. 
I hesitate to use this word, but again, in the context of, of the way mm. that it, it gets played, if you will, she's not playing crazy. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is a woman who clearly has some, some mm-hmm. deep-seated issues, yeah. which when we find out about them, holy shit. Holy yeah. shit. But she has some deep-seated issues, she's compensating for them, and that's where this is coming from. As opposed to, I feel like, with, with a an actor of a lesser caliber would just be playing the crazy. Yeah. You know, and, and that's sure. what she's doing, which is which is one of the things that makes the episode succeed. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to point out real quick about Millie that I absolutely love in this scene is at one point Sam doesn't is like, don't shoot me. And she says, how can I shoot you when I don't have the gun pointed at you? And she clearly has the gun, gun pointed yeah. at you, which is fucking priceless. Mm-hmm. Um, and she also throws a little bit of shade at him when uh, they say, like, your favorite TV doctor is here. She's like, Ben Casey. (laughs) (laughs) Which Ben Casey, by the way, um, was a 1961 to 1966 U.S. TV drama starring Vince Edwards as a young, intense neurosurgeon. Ooh. There you go. Yeah, he's left the doctors, apparently. So he wakes up, all chained up. Yep. Now, I'm a huge horror enthusiast, right? Did anybody else's ankle start hurting in this thing? Because, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, oh, this was the last time I really saw, like, the misery. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. There's definitely a little bit of that in, in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that Norma Jean is a good, um, you know, sort of analog in sure. some ways for, um, oh, God, I can't think of their name now. Kathy Bates' character. The, uh, Kathy Bates. Norma Bates. Norma. <laughs> <laughs> ah. um, what's seriously, what, what, Annie. Annie, right? Is sure. Annie? Yeah. yeah. I um, think I've only seen Misery once all the way through. Okay. <laughs> but you, haven't, you haven't read the book? Uh, no. Oh. You're a big Stephen King guy. I know, but I haven't read that. I know. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I'm a fan of a lot of uh, later Stephen King stuff, like his yeah. earlier stuff. Show yeah. me the movie. I'll get to the movie. Sure. Yeah. Annie Wilkes, that's her name. Yeah. There we go. Oh, yeah. Nice. Um, which, uh, uh, also worth noting that the author who she kidnaps in the books is kind of known for writing, like, kind of, like, romance, soap opera kind of Mm -hmm. of novels, so another, you know, sort of analog here, but yeah, um, yeah, when he, he wakes up chained to the bed, and, and she comes in, there's another thing that's interesting to me, did you guys notice, like, the dry cleaning bags that are just, like, hanging up all over the place? Actually, I wondered what the hell that was about, Yeah, and I noticed that in between scenes, the bags moved, and I think that was just, like, a little... Not meant, not meant to be a plot point. I think right. it was just like uh, a continuity error. But yes, I wonder, like, what the hell is up with the dry cleaning? And I think it was like this is just a little touch point in the background. We're not going to explain right. it. It's just yeah, we just got some dry cleaning bags back here. But if I had to guess, I would say that one of their plans was to get all the outfits that she would try to seduce him in dry clean before all that. Mm-hmm. So they were in another room, but those were hanging up. That's a really good point. Going off of that, did she have outfits for him that she wanted him to wear? Oh, you know what I mean? Like, did she have maybe like a little doctor's coat underneath one of those bags? And like, was she gonna dress him up? And she fucking stole him. Come on! <laughs> In a more elaborate version of this episode, Sam gets escorted blindfolded in to a hospital room that they've made up. But they don't have the money for this, so it is a really janky-looking hospital room. Anyway. Yeah. uh, But yeah, I did notice the dry dry cleaning bags. Yeah. 
Yeah, apparently it got cold again in Chicago because the heat just kicked on. Oh! Um, so, also, this scene leads to probably one of... Chris and I were discussing this, uh, our favorite lines in the episode. Chris? He asked, he asked her, does she do anything unusual like this ever? And she says, what I think is the sexiest line she delivers in this entire episode. She says, I like unusual and I just melted like butter. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. Well, I, I'll admit that that was not my reaction. However, that I did mean. love the line, and, I, and, it, and it really reinforced that the you know, risk of beating a dead horse, what I've been saying about some of that, like, you know, that David Lynch kind of, mm-hmm. you know, it's sort of like, oh, shit, like, what's going to happen next, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it's just another wonderful delivery by, by the actor. Um, and then in the next instant, Sam says, oh, this is fucking crazy. Yeah. And boy, was he right, because she went apeshit. It, it, yeah, when he presses that button, like her reaction, mm. uh, just another, uh, I think, wonderful example. Because there's something about it, and maybe it's the lens through which I'm viewing it, but I did not take this in at all. Like other scenes that I have seen similar to this scene... It didn't make me cringe. I didn't find it, you know, as an eye roller. I didn't find it in any way offensive. I didn't. It just felt very real, which made it a little bit more disturbing mm-hmm. in the right way. I would yeah. agree with that. Yeah. It was it was so convincing that one second I was putty in her hands. And then she went crazy, and I was as sober as a priest on Sunday. <laughs> I was like, she's going to fucking kill me. Well, you know, and honestly, one of the things that it did to me that made me a little sad. Yeah. Because there's something in her where she is hurt. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, she's not just angry. Again, like I said earlier, she's not just playing crazy. This comes from a very deep place, mm-hmm. a very real, genuine place of, of, of hurt. You know, it's like... That's not me. That's not who I want to be. Mm-hmm. And she lashes out, and, and I just think it's great. Mm-hmm. I think it's well done. Yeah. What's next? I have nothing. I have nothing significant to add. <laughs> uh, I, I think the like the next significant scene is the the seduction scene. Oh, Hank's rules. With Hank's rules. Woo! <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> There is something about when he, before he actually presents the rules, when she starts playing the record, which yeah. of course is the, the Green. song. Yeah. You think it's just those two. And then, yeah, Hank's sitting over there in the dark with his shotgun, and he's like, no dancing. That scared the shit out of Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, all of a sudden, all of that sort of sympathy that I was feeling for Norma Jean, now I'm starting to feel it for Hank. Yeah. And there is, like, he... There is no doubt that they were all together on this idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But now the cracks are starting to kind of show. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that even though he was gung-ho about this, now he's... Mm-hmm. If this is going to happen, I have there are boundaries that can't be crossed. Yeah. You can... There's not much he can do. But, yeah, yeah. exactly. No staring, squinting... No, no, yeah, noises, no, eye contact, no weird noises, noises, no eye contact. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so squealing is one of the yeah. no squealing. Uh, squealing. Uh, so I ruined sex for me. Just... I don't know about anybody else, but <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <coughs> and plus, 
like he has to be in the room when it happens with the shotgun. Yeah. Kind of kills the mood. Yeah. Is this where Kyle got shot in the original history? And then they just let him go? They just let him stumble through the woods? Or do you think they do you think maybe Hank shot him and then dragged him out to the woods thinking he was dead and it turned out he was alive and he gets back up and he and he Or there could have been a struggle for the gun. Kyle got shot in the ensuing fight between Norma and Hank about you just shot him. Right. He stumbles out, they lose him. I don't know. I think what happened is that they go through with the whole act, right? And then um, he's like, okay, I did what you wanted me to do. Can I leave? And they said, well, we have to wait to see she, to, until she gets pregnant. We might have to do this a couple of times. Mm. And he's like, oh. And then he tries to escape, possibly by jumping out the window. And the guy, like, shoots him as he's running away. Mm. So, do we think in the original history that... Kyle was, I mean, literally raped, and then escapes. I mean, do we, or, or do we think he decided to play along in hopes that he would be able to then just go, just mm-hmm. be let go, and then something went horribly wrong? I'm interested, I, all of a sudden, into what Kyle originally did. Yeah. yeah. And it's so... It's interesting from the writing perspective of this episode. Like usually, like we like, why did why didn't Kyle die? Right. Why was yeah. it they found him wandering the woods with a sh- with a shotgun wound in his head? Mm-hmm. That was like a weird choice because usually, like Quantum Leap just goes for broke and just like yeah, he's found he's dead. Been dead. Yeah. I. You know what? Here's a thought. Was it because they didn't want to risk turning Hank and Norma Jean into murderers? Because it, okay. because it's okay for them to be these mentally unwell people who want to force sex upon him, yeah. but it's not okay for them to be killers. Maybe because there was it. a struggle for the gun between Norma and her husband. And they accidentally yeah, got shot. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I am curious about that. Yeah. Because I wonder if, if, if... I mean, I think I probably would, because once you get to start to know the people, like the end result isn't doesn't matter as much. I'd still probably be sympathetic to these people even if they had killed him. But I do yeah. think it's a harder sell. I think if you if, if you go into this thinking like these people mur- rape and murder this man, it's hard to you know to empathize or sympathize too much with them. Mm-hmm. Whereas, but then again, there's also that thought: Well, did they shoot him in the head and leave him for dead? And then he just happens to die. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, this yeah this is a tangent. Uh, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe we'll need to to edit out because I don't know this. Maybe stepping in the muddy waters, but this is something like I've noticed, like the way, like the way we talk about mental illness and violence, like right now in 2019. If I am mentally ill and I take my own life, God help the person who demonizes me, mm-hmm. because anymore we don't say someone committed suicide; we say they died by suicide because they could not help. It. But if I take one person out with me when I go, I'm a monster. Mm-hmm. Right now in 2019. We have those two extremes. Absolutely. We we have a very hard time, at least on, like online on social media, the way we talk about it, like finding a middle ground of like how do we have empathy for a mentally ill person if they hurt somebody else? Yeah. Well, you know, I think that one of the things that ended up happening uh, is that as, as it pertains in particular to gun violence and mass shootings, that there was a time when I feel like we all. Um, 
would have a conversation. We wouldn't do anything about it, but we would That's certainly right. have a conversation about mental health and how it played, how it factored into it. But because I think, quite frankly, if I'm going to be completely honest here, because progressives and liberals were willing to say that we need to do something about mental health, because if you're not going to do anything about gun control, let's do something about mental health. What happened is, is conservatives latched onto that, appropriated it for themselves, and now want to say, it's not a gun issue, it's a mental health issue. Mm, and okay. And I think that it has changed the way that we have that conversation so much because there are so many progressives and liberals that don't want to have a conversation about mental health because they just don't want fucking guns in people's hands to commit these atrocities, mm. and which is justifiable. But I think that it unfortunately has taken us further away from doing what you're talking about, Dennis, mm -hmm. and, and being able to say, we need to have a conversation about mental health and that if this person, if this person is indeed mentally ill, and if we look at the thoughts leading up to this action and the action itself, you could potentially ask the question, how could they not be? Mm -hmm. Then don't you think that we should at least be able to offer them the same kind of empathy or sympathy that we're offering someone who dies by suicide? Yes. Be yes. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a weird place we're in right now. Yeah. yeah. Frank talk. Uh, so Frank talk. Yeah, we're we're gonna be. Yeah, there's so many content warnings on this episode. Yeah, <laughs> we haven't done. Uh, we haven't done one of those. No, no trigger warnings lately. Um, yeah. So trigger warning. Uh, I, did, uh, I did that on purpose. Uh, I know. Yeah. It's really bad of me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, 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 as it pertains to this episode, I do think it's just an interesting thing to kind of weigh mm -hmm. and think about why is that the outcome for Kyle mm -hmm. you know why didn't he just end up dead or why didn't he just end up they found him in the woods a week later like why does he have the shotgun blast to the head you yeah. know like holy shit so uh, yeah that's I don't know that that's an interesting aspect of the episode needless to say uh, as they're getting ready to potentially do the deed Sam kind of goes in willingly to the dinner like you can tell he's uncomfortable yeah but as soon as Norma Jean starts to have some sort of physical bent, if you will, yeah. towards, you know, and, and the bed is made up with the covers pulled down, like everything is yeah. ready to happen. She's clearly like ready to go wearing this robe -ish sure. thing yeah. over like, what can, over, over, over what one can tell mm -hmm. is not some sort of slinky, sexy, like negligee, but looks like some sort of like grandma's shift yeah, you know what I mean sure. so again yeah. like it's interesting these these choices that have been made and, and, and it really does point to I think a very well thought out episode um, Sam gets uncomfortable at this point though and he's like this is happening too fast he's you know he's kind of making up some good excuses uh, we get Hank's rules yeah it ruins the moment ruins the mood Norma Jean's pissed off uh, then we have the beautiful scene between Sam and Hank that we were talking about earlier yeah um where we get the meet cute that happened between Hank and Norma Jean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, God. Yeah. Then we have this interesting scene between Sam and Al, mm. where Al brings up being a POW in Vietnam, very nonchalantly, I might add. Yeah. And Sam is like, oh, that's right, I forgot. You can help me. Yeah. You know what it's like, like to be, be captured. Like, yeah. And that's, of course, when Al gives him the advice about find the weakness and exploit it. Yeah. This is an aside. Uh, this is uh, have you seen like there are very few quantum leap gifs, gifs, whatever you want to call them. Uh, there are very few gifs out there, but one of them is in this scene of Sam trying to push the window opening, saying the window is painted shut. 
I don't know who decided to randomly make this into a GIF, yeah. but yeah. Well, and then it's followed by one of the, the cornier bits of dialogue, not just in this episode, but in the entirety of Quantum Leap, which is saying something. Al says, use your head, and the very next thing we see is Sam diving headfirst through the window. Yeah. Here's a question. Doesn't she open the window in an earlier scene? She absolutely does. There's the scene where she opens the window, because it's another brilliantly, like, deliciously off kind of moment for her, where she opens the window, and she says, it smells like pine. Just like the stuff they use to clean toilets. Exactly, yes. And it's uh, like, wow! Yeah. It's such a, yeah. You're absolutely right, Chris. That's a really good point. Yeah. It's such a wonderful line. Yeah. I forgot about that one. Uh, but he dives out the window, runs, mm-hmm. finds a payphone on a bridge. Yeah. Goes to dial 911. Yeah. I was like, no, you can't dial 911. They didn't have 911 in 1985. Yeah. Which is a half truth. I was going to say, because I did some research on that. Yeah. They had. Some parts of the country. Some parts of the country. But, I, I, but you know, in terms of writing, yes. You well, just say, yeah, they didn't have It's that. interesting because one of the things I found on Wikipedia, why this happened to be the year that they noted it, I have no idea. But they did say that in 1986, only 26% of the country, yeah. this is geographically, not by yeah. population, actually had 911. Yeah. Like, Which is kind of crazy. I the episode right? at that point because I was like, that shit can't be right. Yeah. That's too recent. <laughs> And then I went on. I mean, just five years later, we're going to have William Shatner and rescue 911. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It really would have blown the wind out of those sails for that show, right? Yeah. Uh, Anyway. Uh, So, yeah. So, Sam almost gets his head blown off. Yes. Yeah. Which we know that that obviously wasn't the moment that the real Kyle would have gotten shot. Right? Well, because, because, I mean, would the real Kyle have jumped out the window and run to the bridge to make the 911 call? Maybe. He might have. All right, all right. I think if, if I could guess, well, that uh, would be the point where he got shot. It's the most logical, right? So, so do, you think, do you think that, obviously with a few adjustments here or there, that basically everything that's happened up to that point is basically what happened with the real Kyle? I mean, why not? I mean, I mean, no, I mean that's, yeah. He, yeah, yeah, you know, you know, he gets, you know, he gets handcuffed to a bed, whether or not he gets knocked out, you know, right. whatever. Uh, they carry, they try to carry out the sex uh, act, and Hank does the thing where he he ruins it. And I wish he just would have left it at carry out the sex. <laughs> carry, carry out the sex. <laughs> we'll we be having the sex. <laughs> <laughs> we will be having the sex now. Yes. Um, but yeah. 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 No, no, that's 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 a really good point. That's a very good point. I think for me, and this isn't just with this episode, but in general with Quantum Leap, I always sort of take it to that whatever we're seeing once Sam gets there is entirely different. But it makes more sense actually if it's not because so many times he gets right up to the point yeah. where whatever was going to happen that he needed to prevent yeah. still happens. Was well, so. like there's the episode play ball earlier this season where in the final game where where Al confirms like he's just repeating history. Yeah. Like as he's pitching the ball game, like oh what's happening here? Like oh he's going to ground out to the shortstop, ground out to the shortstop, and do this. And then Sam like takes himself out of the game because he's like, the only way for me to change history is to stop pitching. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Carry, carry on. Carry, carry on. on. <laughs> so uh, so now we get uh, this we talked about where uh, they find the weak point. Sam and Al, or, or, or Hank, and Hank and Sam, Sam have the conversation, and this is where they come up with the idea to basically push Norma Jean to the brink and make her face her delusion by having Hank fake a heart attack and 
get up to the point of doing surgery and Norma Jean having to stop him to admit you are not Craig. You are not a doctor. You can't do the surgery. And again, where do they think this was going to go? Right. There are so many fucking ways that could have ended up bad. <laughs> shit. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the, 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 the thing is, is that obviously this is where Sam blows it, but... Uh, it's another great example of the, the you know the character Norma Jean and the actor kind of rising to the occasion. Oh yeah. I feel like it's the, those moments when she's just at the brink of admitting, you know, well that was only on TV. Yeah. You're not a real doctor. Yeah. That tension is drawn out so well. Yeah. I do love in the scene where where like Sam's like trying to talk her into him doing that. Like, yeah. Remember that episode where I operated on the woman in the elevator and he's just pulling shit out of yeah. his ass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he's like, right. Sure, I must have done that. Yeah, absolutely. I did that one time. Well, it's funny too though because in the scene, the previous scene where they're getting ready to have dinner, she's bringing up all these different nurses that he slept with. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's like remember when you had sex with the nurse at the blah blah. Remember when you took blah 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 in the in the coat closet. Yeah, remember when you took like, blah blah blah. Yeah. The, Hate it's me. Like, yeah. Oh my yes. God. It's like. It's, yeah. yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, so she leaves, and he chases after her. Right, her. because uh, Al pops in and lets yeah. her know that, like, she's on the bridge, she's going to jump into yeah. the... Yeah, this is where he has to knock Hank out. To yeah. Get, yeah. Good right cross, too. Yeah. And again, I just think that that, that that final scene between the two of them on the bridge is really well done. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah. tear them on dark heart, yeah. man. <laughs> hey, Norma, we never got to have that dance. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, and then, of course, she breaks down and cries. Like, why can't it be like it is on television? Yeah. Another meta moment. Right, of, right. Yeah. But also another moment where I think that the actor just does a wonderful job of... And, and Sam, you know, rises to that occasion, too, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, Scott's always great, but, but it, you know, Sam's same thing about, like, I don't know, I don't know. Which, again, if we want to continue with that strain of sort of the meta commentary on Quantum Leap in general, mm-hmm. like, why can't real life be like that? Like, somebody comes back in time and creates, you know, yeah. that or, or saves that one horrible moment, you know, uh, uh, saves your, your your spouse's life when they actually die, or whatever, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Which is something, if you really think about it, is kind of explored a little bit in Lee Harvey Oswald. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, yeah. The Flashpoint Paradox. Did. Well, that's right. Now you're speaking my language, man. Oh, Jesus. Um, the, and then I think the wrap-up is handled really well, as, you know, uh-huh. to uh, not only do we find out that Hank goes to jail, um, Norma Jean ends up going to a, a hospital um, where she's treated. She's there for quite a while. We don't know exactly how long, but, mm-hmm. you know, quite a while. Hank gets out relatively early from jail, opens a little fix-it shop right yeah. next to the hospital. Aww. So he's right next to her, and mm-hmm. then of course, when she gets out, they end up together. Yeah. It's beautiful, man. That's very sweet. What the fuck ever happened to Millie, though? Yeah, like, oh, we yeah. never, we never, yeah. like Millie just disappears. She just disappears after after that first scene. She's just, yeah, it's weird. She's gone. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, Ben shows up in the last scene. Uh, this is a, a goof that Matt points out in his book. If you listen to it carefully, when he gets Lyle. there, he, he calls Kyle Lyle, and is that a goof? Or is he just so flaky and doesn't really know all of his actors very well? Right? All he sees is paycheck. Yeah. Well, yeah, because he, like, it, it, the, the weird thing is, is there's that moment of, like, concern. 
Yeah. Where he's like momentarily, are you okay? Is everything going to be okay? You know, is the, there's going to be post-traumatic stress. There's going to be, it's like, you, you, you're going to be okay though, right? Everything's going to be all right? And it's like, yeah, yeah, I'll be fine. Great. We can totally use this as an angle on yeah, a TV right. show. Yeah. <laughs> like, are you okay? Well, I mean, at yeah. first he's, he's like, I'm sure you sort of forget this as much as possible. And Sam's like, I don't think I'll ever forget it. Well then, oh, well then let's use that. <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> Incorporated into the life of one Dr. Craig Connor. Yeah. Which is totally a soap opera trope. Oh yeah, sure, character gets kidnapped and you know by by someone who loves them. I'm using air okay. quotes when I say that. But, yeah. You know. uh, then yeah, we have a, like nice little organ music over the end. Yeah. Uh, is that ethical? No, it's television. Yeah, another yeah. great little meta moment. Yeah, I think like the the, the end in this episode is really cheesy. And upon like rewatching it last night, if you just if you just look deep into Scott Bakula's eyes as he's delivering his last lines of this episode, he's like. <laughs> this dialogue I don't know yeah uh, of course that is also in the, the the blooper reel they also like there's a blooper from this scene of like Sam and Al delivering their final lines to each other and just like at the point where you know Sam leaps out like Scott and Dean just crack up laughing together <laughs> and then uh, we're gonna leap into to Sam Sam Fain's Favorite episode. I have to admit, after my awakening to the merits of Moments to Live, I am much more ready to take in the Curse of Tavatep. I really am. We'll see what happens. One of the things that's worth noting in the leap out slash leap into Curse of Tyler Tap is that we get this sort of like knowledge bomb dropped on us immediately. Sam can read fucking hieroglyphics. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did notice that. I was like, God damn, what uh, can't you do, bro? Right? Well, no, they, they dropped that on Starcross, second episode. It, it, right, because they, they mentioned that he can, yeah. Because uh, uh, you didn't guess with us on that episode. No, 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 I think you did. Uh, so so how, how to explain this to you to make it as interesting sounding as possible. Sam, Al can't give Sam detailed information that Sam needs to be able to save his marriage to a woman who leaves him in the altar in the original history. So Al sneaks into the imaging chamber wearing a sash with hieroglyphics around his waist so Sam can read the hieroglyphics and figure out the information. You are absolutely right. So it's actually just a really wonderful callback. Yes, it is. Yeah. (laughs) And then unseen people drag Al out of the waiting room, yeah. or out of the imaging chamber. Which we know that the imaging chamber technology improves as the series goes on, because once people touch Al, they become visible to Sam. Yes. <laughs> We're going down some deep anyway. So I'm looking, forward, I'm looking forward to Curse of Tower Yeah. 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 Curse, I'm, what are your final thoughts? I love this one. Yeah. Uh, one question I had... Uh, is her southern accent legit, or was she making that up? I think it's actually legit, because I've, I've seen her in other things. I mean, it might not have, she might have been a little bit more, put in a little bit more of an affectation, but I've seen her in other things where I feel like she's had um, an accent as well. Yeah. Uh, and then her husband. No, no, definitely not. She was born in Santa Barbara, California. No, I didn't say. And here, uh, have you all watched The Watchmen yet on, uh, on HBO? On HBO? No. It uh, one. It is excellent. You should go watch it. I can't it's wait, it's yeah. nine episodes. From what I understand, uh, they they may do a second season, but it's its own fully self-contained yeah. cool. story. But the reason why I bring it up in the context of this is there's uh, one actor in the show. The uh, the entirety of the series takes place in Tulsa, Oklahoma. 
Um, um, are, are you familiar with the original Watchmen? Yes. Okay, so this it, I was really confused watching the first episode and then after reading review online. It takes place in the same universe as Watchmen, but Watchmen took place in the 80s. Right. We are 30 years later. Oh, okay. Right. We are in the Watchmen universe in 2019, and it all takes place in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, sure. So, um, uh, so anyway, uh, the actor, there's an actor in the show, Tim Blake Nelson, who mm-hmm. plays one of the main characters. He is legitimately from Tulsa, Oklahoma. He uses his legitimate accent. Oh, wow. And it's like one of those things like when you have everybody else doing an accent and the other professional, they sound, you know, they sound pretty spot on. And then you have the real thing. Uh, and Betsy could spot it because uh, Betsy's dad was from that area. And Betsy was like, that is a real Oklahoma accent. Yeah. Cool. Whereas everybody else who's trying to do an accent, like they're, you know, they're doing like the Hollywood actor thing, put on thing, but he's got the real yeah. thing. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Hmm. I can't wait to watch it. But I would say, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely go check it out. And then it, the other thing I like is the guy who plays her husband had the crazy eyes. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's his, I mean, yeah, that's his, uh, it's even like noted in Matt's book, like, the, I think that's one of the things that got him the role, is like, that's, like, that's a real thing. That's that okay. Has, yeah. I was wondering, yeah, I was wondering if it was put on or if it was... Because uh, I also remember, like, he had that going on in Identity. He did, okay. Too. Okay. I yeah. Couldn't, yeah, I couldn't remember, honestly. Yeah. And I've seen him in Walking Dead as well, because he's in season two. He's one of the first uh, characters. Yeah, it's, it. it's all right. It's he's all one right. of the first characters to die, actually, in season two. So okay. he's on the farm. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. that's who it is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fuck Shane. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, sorry. Here's a random, mm-hmm. random thought, because I, I feel like my feelings are pretty well known in the episode, so I'm not going to reiterate too much of what I've already said, but Norma Jean is the name of someone else who will star, guest star, in an episode with Sam at the tail end of season five. Because Norma good. Jean yeah. is actually the real name of Marilyn Monroe. Monroe. Yes. Oh, yeah. Again, Gimmick Palooza, final season. Yeah. That. We encounter Dr. Ruth, we encounter Marilyn Monroe, we encounter Elvis. But we don't just encounter Elvis. He we leap into Elvis. Elvis. <laughs> there's, we there's, are Elvis. There's a two-part episode revolving around Lee Harvey Oswald. He leaps into a man with no legs. Fifth season is all over the place. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. All bets are off. We even get to visit the Civil War. We get to visit the Civil War. We'll get there. We'll see how that happens. Okay. Somebody gets out of the waiting room in the future. They're just killing time. Al plays... (laughs) Al plays action hero. That's right. Okay. All right. I can dig it. Dennis, what did you think of this episode? How do you sum up your feelings? Uh, again, I yeah, it had a, a lot more to offer than from what I had watching it as a kid. Yeah, uh, it would not be the the first episode I introduced to someone entirely oh, no. new, yeah, yeah, for sure, entirely new to Quantum Leap. But yeah, yeah, it's interesting looking back on like episodes that I feel like we have thrown out there as potential episodes to introduce people to the series, mm-hmm. and about now as we've gone through this far, how different those episodes actually are to the overall mm. tone of the series, especially with like the latter half of season three into season four. Um, you know, I feel like 
there's a time when I would absolutely feel comfortable going to Honeymoon Express mm-hmm. as an intro episode. But now, right now with where we are in the history of the show, I feel like Honeymoon Express is so far away from something like Moments to Live. Mm-hmm. Not that it's like so much better or mm-hmm. anything, but it feels very different. Oh, yeah. That's why I mean, like, when I messaged you to see if you wanted to guess on this episode, Chris, I was like, I was like our boy Sam has grown up so much <laughs> since the last time you guessed it. Because yeah. I think it's been, like, third season? Yeah. Or maybe sure. before since you've guessed it? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say either second or third. Yeah. And also, I'm never going to say no. Gets me out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like we've been recording remotely for so uh Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. See, that's the thing. I mean, that's why we. Uh, nothing personal against you. We haven't had a whole lot of guest episode, guest stars on. It's been yeah. It's been a while. In a while. So so yeah. Have we even had a guest for season four? Well, I don't think so. I know, think our. I think we, our. We did our, have Karen for. Um, uh, yes. Leap, uh, for for leap, leap back. back. Yeah. 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 Uh, Which is funny. We had someone comment recently um, that uh, your post. For Shock Theater, still list Karen as the guest star, and somebody asked where Karen was. So that was that was the editing magic episode where we had to completely edit around her because for whatever reason we didn't have the auto file, we didn't want to re-record. So that 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 was that was your editing magic right there. Ow. And Chris is like, "That's a shit show." <laughs> <laughs> so we had her back for the leap back, which went well. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think we're all wrapped up for now. Hell yeah, we are. Yeah. We spent the last, you know, two hours with us discussing on our new streamlined format where we're going to sort and things. Uh, But I I think we're we're still doing a lot better. We're wrapping up about our time that we said we were going to wrap up. We are. We absolutely are. Your your Hattie's nap time is wrapping up. Harrison's nap time is wrapping up in my neck of the woods. Nicole is sick right right now, so I gotta go get her her meds. Oh, well, thank you for coming. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she needed the time away from me and I need time away from my dog for a second. Well, I love her, but she's everywhere. Now you get to now you get to go home to your your dog and your fiance. Mm-hmm. How's that back deck holding? Fiance, not bad actually. Not bad. Okay, because yeah. there was a lot. Of, uh, so I I uh, I was Chris's real estate agent. I helped him find that place, and there was a lot of question over that back deck. Now, like, 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 superficially, it was fine, but like, yeah. the inspector was like, eh, "You may want to." Eh. Yeah, <laughs> it cost us a lot less to fix it than he said. That dude was tripping. Oh, that's good to hear. That's very okay, good. awesome. Well, on that note, on that note, yeah, we'll be back uh, next week. Yes, for real. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe two weeks. I'm going out of town oh, next week for, for family. You made a liar out of me already. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, you know what? You know, I'll, I'll put it out there. If you two want to get together and if you want to do a, a special thing. Yeah, I mean, we need you, man. Okay, I don't know, man. <laughs> this is how I get fired. The listeners why? are like, we don't need... Why Why on earth would you not want to be around for the Curse of Tahoe? I want to <laughs> see... I want to see the Curse of Tahoe tap. Yeah. Alright, so two weeks from now... Yes. You'll get a new episode. Yeah. Um, cool. Moments to live. Much better than we remembered (laughs) yeah Um, thank you guys yeah thank you for listening and uh, we'll see you next week thank you again Chris thank you so much Chris good to have you back we'll have you back again soon alright peace out peace out bye